at this point what i am seeing is almost every tech company or a product is trying to embed ai in some form or the other into their system and it's just the starting point it's it's basically we had this kind of a thing let's say back in 2020 2021 as well but at that point the awareness was not that much people didn't trust ai that much people still don't trust ai but they still trust it and try to use that more than what they used to do before there's a lot of adoption happening for ai customers now know that it's not like a thing to be scared of however much you can use it to your advantage to increase your own productivity the more it will benefit you and your business there so i think that is where ai is at right now it's at that stage where it's very good at helping out with those specific tasks in a, in a very good way and helps reduce a lot of the manual repetitive Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of the Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation, including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable and inspiring stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now allow us to bring on big guests and ask the questions to them that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. So thank you again for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode. Hey, Sam, how are you? Hey, Sina, doing great. How are you? Yeah, lovely, lovely to meet you as well. I, it's, it's amazing having you on the podcast because I am a long-term user of Rise Sonic, so I've been using it for a long time. And it's a tool that I absolutely love using. And this isn't me sort of like trying to advertise you. I genuinely have been using the platform for a while. Like even, so if anyone knows me and knows the business that I have, so my business wing, if you go on our website, our, our chatbots is actually powered by, by Writesonic. So yeah, oh, we actually awesome. do use it that's in our, in our business day to day. I really appreciate that. That's, that's great to hear. That's some good validation out there. <laughs> I would love to talk to you in terms of like so right sonic and then we'll go on to the whole topic of ai and i know a lot of people listening to this podcast really want to focus on what opportunities exist in the ai space that they can they can capitalize on and and also sort of like best practices that you've seen because growing your business on the foundational layer of other ai tools i think it'd be very interesting to talk about so let's let's talk about i guess the history of of right sonic first so like what is it and then where did the idea originate so right sonic we sort of started out as an ai writing platform um, since then, where we are at right now, we are sort of calling it the AI engagement platform. So three or four main things that we are working on. So one is, of course, the unified content creation piece where, you know, you can produce text-based content like blogs, emails, all of that. You can produce images, videos, slides. So all of that using AI. Second thing is then uh, chatbots. So we have this thing called ChatSonic, which, you know, it's known as one of the best alternatives of ChatGPT. So that is the other thing. And then third thing we have is a recent product called Botsonic, where you can sort of create uh, AI-powered chatbots, which are powered by GPT models in a no-code way and embed it on your site. So that is where we are at right now. Now, how we started out was basically, so I have been a sort of fanatic, you know, building lots of different side projects. So like, you know, when I was in college, when I was, you know, working for about one and a half years at Deloitte in London as well. So I used to build a bunch of different side projects. All of these were different sort of SaaS applications. Now, me not being a marketer, I, I didn't have any experience with marketing, right? So for some of my other side pro uh, projects, 
I wanted to create landing pages for them because that's one thing you need to kind of get some visibility online to launch on Product Hunt, Twitter, all of these platforms, right? So that was the idea there. So I think I was the first 100 beta users of uh, GPT-3 back in 2020. So at that time, I was experimenting with a bunch of different, uh, you know, uh, projects. So the idea came in like, okay, why don't I train an AI model on the best landing pages from top brands like Apple and Stripe and, you know, all of these kind of companies and get it to do that work for me. So that was sort of like the starting point. So we just built like an AI landing page generator, put like a pricing page on top of that and launched it on Product Hunt. And that is that is how we sort of started out. And then after that, based on customer feedback, of course, we kept on evolving, you know, we got into Y Combinator and a you know, bunch of different things, but that's kind of the origin story, if I were to say. And then at what stage did it sort of like pivot to what it is right now? So I think within the first sort of two months itself, um, we were at about $15,000 in MRR, monthly recurring revenue. And that's when just based on customer feedback, we kind of kept on adding different things. So one of our flagship products is our AI article writer, which lets you produce like a you know, like a full draft article or a blog post within one minute. So that's been one of our flagship products. So that is something we launched in like month uh, two. And that is when the game really changed. You know, a lot of companies coming in, lots of individuals, freelancers, customers coming in. And then it was more like an iterative cycle where every week we used to push something out based on what customers were asking for. And that's how we kind of kept on building and improving and, you know, pivoting sort of like that. So I guess like a step before that, though. So how did you get to 15,000 MRR with like, uh, because you said the marketing wasn't your specialty. So ironically, you built a product that that sort of made that made the whole like building marketing materials, uh, you know, easier. But like, how did you get to that stage where you were generating 15,000 MRR? I think it was a bunch of different things. Um, Basically, launched on a bunch of different platforms so first of all i think product hunt and twitter um got us some some of that initial visibility for sure the next thing that we did was every week i used to get on calls with you know a bunch of different customers or potential customers there so used to talk to them understand their pain points and then after that you know a lot of um sort of word of mouth we sort of you know got in so basically i Uh, partnered with some influencers on Twitter and then, you know, some of them on uh, sort of TikTok and, uh, you know, also used to send out a lot of emails there. So I was just trying a bunch of different random things, right? I I never built a startup before. I've built lots of products, but I I, I was just trying out different things. And that's like, you know, a couple of them in combination, they sort of worked out and got us to that level. And then right after that, you know, 15,000 MRR mark, we got into Y Combinator as well. And it was pretty easy for us because, um, you know, especially with Y Combinator, 99, 90 or 99% of the founders are not solo founders. They're usually, you know, they have co-founders and most of them don't have any revenue. So that was sort of one advantage for us. I think we were one of the first generative AI companies to get into Y Combinator. This was back in summer 2021. And yeah, that's like that three month program kind of taught taught me a lot about, you know, sales, how to talk to customers and a lot of different things. And then just, yeah, kept on learning, kept on improving. And that's how we sort of came to where we are at the moment. So like those those different growth strategies that you that you had, I guess, which one of them sort of generated the most growth or which which two? If I were to look in the last, you know, two and a half years, uh, you know, I would say one would be SEO. 
SEO has been like a big piece for us. And we have, in fact, used our own tool for that as well. But as you know, SEO is a long-term game. So until, let's say, mid of last year, we didn't see much impact in terms of SEO. But now if you go to a tool like Ahrefs or SEMrush and check in the last maybe seven or eight months, our SEO kind of like skyrocketed. So we went to like, uh, you know, huge amounts of, of traffic there. We get like a million signups every month now. And so SEO was like a very big piece. Second thing I would say would be probably affiliate marketing because, you know, we have these partners who work with us, who sort of uh, create posts on their blogs or create YouTube videos and then embed our kind of affiliate link. They get like 30% recurring commission on top of that. And for us, you know, we are getting new customers there. So I think affiliate and SEO, those two probably would be the biggest channels, I would say. Okay, fantastic. So page products to the article writing products and then i guess um i guess where where's like what was the sort of vision at that point because you wants to you had you had like that flagship product but you like you're building more and more right. it's like what what was the vision in the in those early stages i think the vision at that point was to make writing and communication as easy as possible so that even you know customers from non-english speaking countries uh sort of can also benefit from that because especially let's say if you're writing any you know blogs or any kind of content that you're doing it's sort of hard for non-english speakers specifically to sort of do the same level of content or same level of you know marketing there so i think that was the initial idea to basically for non-native english speakers to get them to a similar level as english ones and for the english kind of native speakers to get them at even a better level where they're writing much more optimized, like conversion optimized, SEO optimized, um, you know, content. And it makes the overall sort of communication uh, much easier. I think that that was that initial focus. Since then, we have sort of delved into multiple different things. So we do a lot of different experiments and, you know, um, we are sort of expanding and diversifying our uh, product portfolio. I'd love to get your take on this because you, was it, so originally you built on top of, uh, open yeah. AI's sort of, so chat GPT for people who don't know mm-hmm. like that was the software you built up, up you know on top of right chat GPT is sort of just a name of the kind of that application but beneath that you know the model so we built a lot of it on top of GPT 3.0 which was sort of one iteration before chat GPT and uh, chat GPT is based on top of you know everyone knows sort of GPT 3.5 and GPT 4. So for us, a lot of it was based on GPT-3, you know, and then GPT-3.5 and 4. But since then, you know, especially in the last maybe six months, we have built like this model router kind of thing, which is where essentially based on different factors, our system automatically switches between different AI models. So for for example, it can be OpenAI, it can be Anthropic, can be, you know, Google's Palm API and our own custom models as well. So depending on the latency of the API, the quality of the, uh, the results, you know, a bunch of different factors, it automatically chooses between these different models. Yeah. And what do you what do you make of the whole state of AI right now in the world? Like when it comes to, obviously we'll, we'll talk about the opportunities that exist, but like your, your personal take on it, because it's moving incredibly fast. At this point, what I am seeing is almost every company, like a tech company or a product is trying to embed AI in some form or the other into their system. And it's just the starting point. It's it's basically, we had this kind of a thing, let's say back in uh, sort of 2020, 2021 as well. Uh, but at that point, 
the awareness was not that much. People didn't trust AI that much. People still don't trust AI, but they still trust it and try to use that, like more than what they used to do before. So there's a lot of adoption happening for AI. You know, customers now know that it's not like a thing to be scared of. It's basically however much you can use it to your advantage to increase your own productivity, the more it will benefit you and your business there. So I think that is where AI is at right now. It's at that stage where it's very good at helping out with those specific tasks in a, in a very good way and helps reduce a lot of the manual repetitive work. So a lot of productive use cases coming out from almost every tech company right now trying to embed, you know, GPT or AI models you know, in some way or the other. And then for people that, especially young people listening to podcasts, like they they see the state of AI, they see it in the news a lot, they see all these products springing up. I guess like for them, like what are the opportunities that exist right now? I think there's a whole lot of opportunities now because you don't even need to know that much sort of programming to get into this whole, you know, building a product around AI. Almost everything is available as an API through OpenAI or all of these different kind of companies. So it's more about identifying a pain point that you're seeing, you know, uh, your potential customers facing or you yourself facing. It's basically identifying a pain point and then using AI, you know, if AI can help with that, then using AI to sort of solve that. It's not the other way around where you're just trying to use AI to solve a problem that doesn't even exist. That's what I've seen is like, so yes, it's become easier than ever to launch an AI company, which has led to a lot of companies springing up that are solving a problem that doesn't actually exist. And right. I, like they are getting traction to a certain degree because uh, initial traction, just because they have AI as a buzzword within their business. But in order for like long-term usage, like I, they, ha- they haven't really like, st- like you know, stuck exactly. around. So I guess the advice that you're giving is, the, the same with any business that you should start is like look at the problems that exist and how can we solve that and ai is a tool at the end of the day to to solve exactly. that problem no absolutely so ai is just a tool just a technology how you use it is what sort of matters if you're if you're using to solve it something which is not solvable solvable without ai then of course you know it's a great thing to have but if you're trying to solve something where even like, let's say some basic thing can help you out, like a simple script can help, help you out. And that's basically just over-engineering that problem, right? And I guess, um, I know we already kind of talked about it, but how easy is it right now to actually launch an AI company? So it's easy to build out a product right now. It's it's still as hard as it was before to build a company. So it's basically, you know, you can build a product within two, three days, you know, if you, if you have development skills or you can, you know, use those no-code AI tools to kind of build things out but it's also about a lot of other aspects like how how do you kind of position it how do you market it uh, like are you talking to your customers and learning from them so it's a bunch of different factors and criterias that come into place when building a company or a business as compared to just launching like a side project or a or a product right so if you can nail all of those things if you if you talk to your customers you know are kind of uh, kind of actually marketing it in doing sales, you know, all of the different aspects, then yeah, of course, it's it's sort of like a hustle for sure. So it's not as easy as, you know, you just launch something and it blows up and you're making like hundreds of millions in ARR there. It's, it's a lot of hard work that will need to be put in there. Of course, the technology, use, usage of the technology is much easier now. So you can kind of spin up things quickly. 
But um, yeah, as you kind of grow forward, you'll also need to go deep and build out your own custom model. So. But I guess um, for people listening who, so say if a problem does exist and the AI is, is the tool to solve it through through whatever means, how how can they sort of experiment with it? So like build, build an AI-based MVP to actually experiment with it. Because I know you come from a coding background, so you can do that. But like now you've seen the world become a lot easier to actually launch okay. an AI product. So yeah, how, how, would you, how would you actually do that? What, what would this be the steps that you can undertake? I think there are a lot of different no-code tools in the market right now, like, you know, Bubble and all of these different ones where they already come with integrations with platforms like OpenAI. So all you need to do is basically drag and drop certain components, connect the AI piece, write your prompt inside that. And then you have your mobile app or your web app sort of ready. And that's just the MVP. Not sure it would scale scale up to like, you know, a big user base. But I think that's a good starting point. And then next thing is, I think the simplest thing I personally see with launching a new product is you launch it on Product Hunt or Twitter, you know, a couple of these different platforms. So that gives you that that initial traction. Um, and second thing, of course, is the distribution as well. So if you have a prior audience or uh, network where you can sort of... Um, sell it or promote it then that of course helps otherwise sometimes even the product and launches can sort of go the other way around where where you mm-hmm. know it gets stuck in the newest uh, list and doesn't even come to the top so i think it's it's a it's quite easy but requires thinking about distribution in a couple of different aspects there for sure mm-hmm. yeah there's obviously like bubble but there's also things around like automation tools that you can build with zapier right. and, and things like that there's a lot of different variations um before you actually like launch your own your own thing right so Absolutely. yeah it's, it's it's become a lot easier it's, dem- it's democratized so and like your your tool as well right sonic is is a part of that process i would say right so i think we we sort of started out um, as like a very simple MVP, we didn't use no code tools because, you know, I, I used to code, so I, you know, just build things. Um, so that's what we started out with, with, and then of course, in the next few years, uh, or, or months, we sort of hired specialists or, you know, like senior developers and, you know, improved our architecture, improved our systems there. So it's much more scalable. And now we also have our own custom AI models. We are not just reliant on, you know, open AI, of course. So yeah, it's it's sort of like a cycle. You start with something and then you keep on iteratively improving it um, based on your needs and customers' demands. The thing is, with with tools like AI, like the thing that really strikes me is that traditional businesses with when I say traditional, I mean say like physical products and, and yeah. things like that, as as they grow, their sort of like variable costs also grow and like they're yeah. they have they they have economies of disk scale as well. Like that that does come into into play. With with things like AI, it would own it only gets better, and the costs only gets you know lower, and so right. you you get a you get a real sort of upward trend, and I, that's what's really exciting for me with this with this whole industry is that yes, you can spring up tools because they become easier, and they they will only get easier as as time goes on. So I guess uh, for you guys being you're still a very early state early you know player in the market, where do you see the future of AI? you know, business use case going forward? I can't predict, of course, next couple of years because things change quite fast, you know. Something that you would have predicted to happen in two years is happening in like two weeks. So what I'll tell is, you know, what we are what we are hearing from our customers there. So one thing for sure would be multimodality where the same model is able to kind of 
uh, work with text and images and videos and audios and you know all of, all of these different media kind of types and formats i think that is one thing part of it we have sort of built like a hacky multi-model thing into our chat sonic into our products as well the second thing i think especially from a b2b or a brand perspective is you know i think we were discussing just before this was um with something like chat gpt of course you can produce content you can do things on top of that but a lot of it is very generic where if someone else does it you know there's a high probability that you'll get a similar response and it's it's the same writing style you know it doesn't kind of differentiate the writing style so that is something that doesn't really work in terms of an actual let's say production level content if you're using it for marketing or for any of those actual use cases so that is where for for brands one thing uh, that will come into play is hyper personalization where their own previous content their own writing style their terminology every brand has certain kinds of terms their style guides those are used to produce um, new forms of content so that the ai can mimic their own unique writing style and uh, terms and brand voice and all of those things second thing is then uh, sort of document aware generation where you know with chat gpt if you're producing something a lot of the times it will give you non factual information it tends to hallucinate so for example if you go and ask who won the fifa world cup 2022 it will give you some random answer there which which will not be true there so i've seen i've seen that yeah exactly so it's basically kind of two things there one is how do you connect with real time information from uh you know let let's say if you want to write something which happened yesterday so how do you incorporate that real time information into the mix and second thing also is every brand every company has tons of data that they have collected over the last few years right everyone has been collecting the big da- big data as as they sort of call it so how can you leverage that data to produce new content or new information um which is much more factual and sort of comes from like a verified source which is basically that company's own uh, data sources so i think those two things are what we are working on some of these things we already have in right sonic but these are the things that we are working towards and these will improve as the ai models improve going forward for sure and like the thing is when you speak about new products and new technology traditionally you say like yeah in a year's time but this this would be a you know far faster much faster yeah couple of weeks couple of months who knows yeah Yeah so the 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 limiting factor is like when you can actually deploy it and and stuff like that because yeah the right. the technology can move incredibly fast Absolutely Okay cool well you, yeah you talked about the 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 vision for right sonic going into the future and and the future of AI so yeah we're going to wrap up there but Sam I loved having you on the podcast it was such a pleasure having you on and talking about right sonic um how can people stay in touch with you and what you're up to Thanks a lot Sina it was great to connect as well uh learned a lot from you as well so very glad to be on this podcast and yeah thanks for having me you can kind of reach us out reach out to us on rightsonic.com and uh, you know take advantage of our ai content creation tools or build your own custom sort of chatbots powered by gpt models so yeah but thanks a lot for having me once again sina really appreciate that my pleasure thank you so much chat to you soon